This summer, we get to set down our fear and anxiety and open up to travel and gathering and hugging again. So I know that you and I are going to be spending time outside and getting back to all the activities that make us better versions of ourselves. That's why I've put together a new podcast series for you called Your Upgraded Summer. These are top 10 all-time Bulletproof Radio episodes edited for you in a new way to be only 30 minutes so they work for you when you're spending your time outside. You're going to learn how to improve your nutrition, your sleep, your brain, your gut, your hormones, your immune system, and your energy. And these are the things that people most wanted to hear, the most popular topics. Listen to one, listen to a handful, listen to all 10, but know that you'll be joining millions of people who enjoyed this content the most and asked for more. Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. Today's guest is T.S. Wiley. She's an author, a medical theorist, and a researcher now based out of Santa Fe, New Mexico, the state where I grew up. And she wrote a couple of books that were so far ahead of her time uh, that I had heard incorrectly uh, during my interview with uh, with Dr. Mercola, actually, uh, that she'd passed away. So I actually told on uh, a couple episodes, like, oh, no, T.S. Wiley is dead. And I have proof for all of you now <laughs> that she is not dead because she's here with me. She wrote these two books. One was called Sex, Lies, and Menopause, The Shocking Truth About Synthetic Hormones and the Benefits of Natural Alternatives. That was in 2003. And since then, she came up with something called the Wiley Protocol, where it's very carefully timed applications of bioidentical hormones. So, T.S., welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I, I was stunned to find out I was dead that day. And, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I checked with a few people and I said, no, no, you're not dead. You are all over the place in terms of your research. And this is also a compliment in that you you look at female hormones, you look at male hormones, you looked at inflammation and autism, you're looking at cancer, and now you're doing a lot of work on how the microbiome talks to the brain using sex steroids. And on the show, I've talked to Mark Gordon from USC, who's referenced some of the stuff about what testosterone does. I know what thyroid and testosterone did for my own brain in my mid-20s when I had basically none of either of those. And so you you look at all these different problems with the lens that no one else that I've come across has. Why are you like that? I was working on endocrinology and the fact that everything's in a wave. You're seeing me in a wave, light wave. You're hearing me in a sound wave. Everything about the environment is reported to the nucleus of your cell. And now I'll tell you to your microbiome in waves. So that's why the hormones I created are in a wave for men and women, because that flat line is the thing you see on a TV show when you're dead, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing's flat. Everything's moving, right? So how I got interested in crossing disciplines, which was your original question, is endocrinology led to molecular biology, led to genomics. When oncology was in there, and I was working with an oncologist at Sanson in Santa Barbara, Julie Taguchi, and all of that led to epigenetics. And I, I gave lectures to doctors until three years ago. And I'll probably start again. I'm working with a company called InnoVision for CMEs. And those lectures are two days in a planetarium. Everything in my head is connected. And you can't explain one discipline separately. 
epigenetics, uh, Bruce Lipton's work in the field uh, was another big shaper for me. In fact, I I just saw Bruce two days ago before I'm recording this. And uh, the idea there is that these bacteria are going to listen to the environment around them. And since now we have technology that lets us change our environment, we can change our hormone environment, we can change our nutrient environment, we can change our light environment, our temperature environment, our vibration environment, our everything environment. If only we know what to do, those little guys, like we can trick them. And that is part of the, in fact, that's the definition of biohacking. Change the environment around you and inside of you so that your biology does what you want. And if you want to have healthy hormone cycles, you want to live a long time, you want to get swole, uh, I'm targeting 180 years old. Like I'm going to trick those little guys uh, into helping me live that long because they won't know what's going on. They won't know what hit them. And who knows? At least that's my plan. Well, those those alien voices in your head that say walk over there and kill yourself or isn't she hot, that bacteria. They are, yes. Yes. And if you don't have the reproductive hormone rhythms, they're pretty sure you're useless. And what they, what I figured out and gave a lecture about was when a woman's estrogen should go through her liver and be deconjugated and broken into E1, E2, E3 and go out in feces and urine, it doesn't if she's not young and healthy. The, there are four or five groups of bacteria called the estrobolome, unfortunate name, that take the estrogen and put it back together and send it back into circulation. The one that mostly ends up staying is E1 in the breast, and that's part of breast cancer. So when you want to hack, I would tell you, first, no, they're in charge. Second, you know, little homage, timing is everything. They want you to get up when the sun comes up. They want you to go to bed no more than two hours after dark. They want you to eat in season, depending on where you live. And your family's, your family's ethnic heritage is a microbiome that you carry with you. Yes. So you have own and I have my own, okay? Why is it that we seem to systematically work to break that system? Like we're spraying glyphosate everywhere that disrupts soil bacteria, we're, we're putting all sorts of pollutants out there. We're taking antibiotics. Uh, we are also breaking these cycles. Uh, it, is this like a, a subconscious like fight against the man, uh, for lack of a better word? Uh, or is this just unconscious behavior? Or, or is it them telling you you're not worth anything? Go ahead. So, so what you hear, and whether it's go spray my lawn with Roundup or whether it's I better run to the doctor, my throat hurts, and get some antibiotics. I'm not sure it's your voice. No kidding. So maybe they're like, these these big meat puppets we made are running rampant. Let's knock them out. I'm going to tell a little story. When I'd read your books, and I first met you at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, somewhere around 2001, actually the first time I'd ever gone. I just started running an anti-aging nonprofit group in the Bay Area, and this was somewhere in the Bay Area. And I went and said, all right, I, I'm, I'm going to get to meet you. I'm walking around. There's all these like superstars of anti-aging that no one's heard of. And I'm in line at your at your booth. No one's heard of. That uh, was the best part. That uh, no one's heard well, of. Well, no. I mean, at the time, 20 years ago, anti-aging <laughs> people were wacky. Just like if, if you were to say, I'm into anti-aging, people thought you were like completely like just crazy. And now we're like, actually, there's billions of dollars of research. We're going to work on this. So at least it's socially acceptable to, to, to be willing to live longer. But at the time, there's a gynecologist in line in front of me to talk to you. And she says, oh, I'm on your protocol. 
uh, TS. And I feel so good on this and it totally works. And you go, Oh, great. You're using it with your patients. She goes, Oh no, I can't use it with my patients. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like, like it's too complex and regulatory and fear and all this. And, and it was one of those first experiences for me that showed me, wait, doctors sometimes know stuff, but they won't do it with their patients because they're afraid of losing their license. And I was so, and, and you were a little pissed, uh, to be honest. And you're like, what the hell? Like, like, seriously? Like, how is that even ethical? And I actually agree with your point. <laughs> yes, I, I am very clear <laughs> that I expect the doctors to step up. And yeah. if they want my help or they want to be able to call me and ask a question, I think I told her to get out of line and let somebody come who had a real question. Okay. Because <laughs> if she wasn't going to help anybody else. I wasn't going to help her. It was just like that. It's it's one of those situations though where you know sometimes physicians, the good ones at least, I think are willing to experiment on themselves. Some of my very favorite doctors, like I won't do anything on a patient I haven't done on myself, other than surgery because you're not going to you know, do that on yourself. But but that you know they if it's an anti aging or restorative regenerative therapy, they're like you know I think I should experience this and look for look at the side effects and the felt sense of it, and I I respect the heck out of that. So I. I'm hopeful that there's been a big shift in the last 20 years. There's still mainstream medicine, but there's now focus groups of doctors who are willing to go outside the box with some personal risk uh, to do it. But tell me about the Wiley protocol that worked for this gynecologist. The reality is I had a hot flash and I didn't like it. My youngest daughter was three. <laughs> She's 26 now. And I thought, what the hell was that? That's crazy. And preceding that for about three or four months, I remember being in bed with my husband and thinking this would be what it's like if I had a brother because I don't have a brother. Mm -hmm. I thought, what the hell happened to my libido? Cause I have a raging libido and it was just gone one day. And I thought I need hormones. I got to figure this out. So I read everything I could and nothing made sense. And I basically went to the notion that if you were going to put back something, that you've lost, like insulin in a type 1 diabetic, you would want to put it back the way you had it. So I went to gynecology books, and I went to, to all these books that showed a woman's rhythm in a healthy 20-year-old woman. So I knew I wanted to be transdermal. I knew I had to figure out a dosing schedule. I found something that was 20 to 1, 1 milligram of estrogen to 20 milligrams of progesterone. I figured out how... Every three days, every 72 hours, there's a receptor rollover, steroid receptor rollover. So every 72 hours, you make new ones. So I changed the dose every three days. So, you know, you build it and they will come. And I made the tipping points. I made um, day 12. Lots of things happen on day 12. Day 12 makes you a progesterone receptor. Day 12 spikes LH, so you would ovulate if you were young. Day 12 hits G1 arrest. Everything stops growing in the lining of your uterus, your breasts. So I had a, I had a model. I'm going to be 20 again inside. I'm going to put it in on my skin and hope it absorbs it. Then I figured out dosing should be as it is in the body, 20 to 1, and progesterone doesn't even start until day 14. You know, the progesterone that you get, hydroxy progesterone, is from your adrenals, day 1 to 14. So that's different. And then I had to put it in something. I made a very strict 
dosing schedule, very strict delivery method. I ended up putting them in three ml syringes because you could go one line at a time for one milligram or for 20 milligrams. And I color coded it because old ladies are tired at night and you don't want to grab the wrong color. And then I got a third party tester. That's how I did it. I mimicked nature. It's called biomimetic, bioidentical hormone replacement. And I did the same thing for men. You talk about doses of hormones to mimic about what a 20-year-old woman's hormones would be. And that means that perimenopausal and menopausal women can reestablish regular periods. And is that, is that a good thing? Is that the way is, you want it to work? Here's your, you know, young, healthy women have three states to be in. They can be pregnant, they can be breastfeeding, or they can be menstruating. Now, I could not recreate pregnancy and breastfeeding. Don't think I didn't try. Okay, so I thought it was a pretty good plan. And when you ask about a period, you have choices as a woman. You can have a period or you can have a walker. You're in your, your mid-60s. Um, are, are, do you still experience that level of energy at all? Yeah, I do. But I'm on more hormones than a transsexual. You have to understand, I have a thyroid protocol, which is an inverse curve to the estrogen. I have uh, an HGH dosing protocol for men that you can use a Novo Norse pop click for. Men need growth hormone so much. Women, not so much. Women make growth hormone in their liver if they have enough estrogen. Men run out at about 29 and it just is fumes past that point and gets worse. And it's part of prostate cancer. So I have at my disposal 58 or 60 pharmacies that compound. So when I create an idea or a drug, and again, I'm the crash test dummy and have won this study, I will say, I need you to make me this. And then I will go to one of my doctors. We have 520 some doctors who prescribe and say, would you prescribe this? And sometimes it takes me 10 doctors in to get somebody to go, all right. You know, it's like no guts, no glory people. You know, you're going to want this stuff in 10 years. Just let me invent. Okay. Now talk to me about metformin. Metformin is a very common uh, anti-diabetes drug. It's also been used for anti-aging for quite a while. And I, uh, I took it for about three years when the first research came out about life ex- extension and uh, glucophage. And I ended up not taking it. In fact, one, one of the... Why? Well, I looked at the decline in mitochondrial function, about a 30% decline from it, and a resistance to vitamin B12 that come from taking it at least orally. So I decided, you know, I can mimic the effect with... There's some herbal stuff called AMP-K. Is it Ganymna Silvestri, just from memory? Uh, and I said, you know, I can get the MK signaling from this stuff, similar effects without the suppression of mitochondrial function. But I want you to think about what you just said. I, if you have my work there, and I think you do, yeah. I presented a paper on mitochondrial function and mm-hmm. hormone response. Right. And of course, in the cells that make hormones, if your mitochondria are dying, you're not going to make hormones. But if you put hormones back, then the mitochondria will make you more hormones. So it's uh. the circle. So it's one of those it, things. This is this is what's so irritating. Everything is a system. And you get these researchers who are like, I'm going to isolate all these variables. And they isolate 10 variables they thought about. And there's 100,000 other ones they didn't think about that didn't isolate. So yeah, I, no, I've seen no data that says if you have adequate hormones and glucophage that it does the same thing. 
So if well, I would tell you, glucophage is French white lilac bark. Mm. It's not a drug, and being French white lilac bark, it's a salicylate, like an aspirin. Yep. So there's immuno, well, let's say anti-inflammatory potential. And I think 10 years ago, the American College of Nephrology came out and said everybody over 40 should take glucophage to prevent kidney failure in old age. All right. I have two more big questions for you before we get to the end of the interview. One is, I'm a guy. And I had zero thyroid, not zero, but near zero, very, very low thyroid and very, very low testosterone, lower than my mom when I was 25, 26. And uh, I've been on testosterone replacement, bioidentical stuff uh, in various forms ever since. I took three years off when I was doing the Bulletproof Diet research just to see what the impact. And I found if I was really careful, I could get it up to about 750 uh, without supplementing, but that the supplementing really helped. And, uh, what should guys do? And tell me about guys who are 30 guys who are 40 guys who are a hundred. Uh, what, what does the Wiley protocol do? That's different than, Hey, take some thyroid, take some testosterone. For 25 years, I've had a strong passion for understanding the science behind why we age and what we can do about it. One of the most groundbreaking discoveries in the last two decades is Senolytics. Senolytics are plant-derived or pharmaceutical ingredients that can help your body drop old, worn-out cells. Scientists call them senescent cells, and in my books, I call them zombie cells. As you age, those senescent cells build up in your body. They live for a long time, and they eat up your energy. There is a hack for this. It's called Qualia Senolytic. Your podcast sponsor, Neurohacker Collective created Qualia Synolytic. It eliminates those zombie cells and has a clinical study that supports its effectiveness. I really felt a difference in how my body moved after just a couple months on Qualia Synolytic. It's upped my energy level even more and my joints feel really good. If you're over 30 and you want to use a clinically tested formula to help you feel younger, try Qualia Synolytic. To get younger now, visit neurohacker.com slash Dave and try it risk-free for up to 100 days. Use code Dave at checkout to get 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave. Use code Dave. Well, first of all, the Wiley Protocol is testosterone and DHEA separately because DHEA makes androgen receptors faster. So then when you use the testosterone, you don't wait six weeks to feel it. You feel it in six days. So it's a dual therapy of testosterone and, and DHEA. And I believe men, you know, knowing your expiration date is something like 3540, at about 29 should use growth hormone, but you should use it in a rhythm. And the rhythm I came up with for growth hormone is based on the fact that growth hormone receptors are made by estrogen. And in men, testosterone has to convert to estrogen to make a growth hormone. So we had to count the days and we had to figure out how you'd throw that in. So men need growth hormone. They need testosterone, DHEA. They, most men to stay uninflamed because as I said, there's two immune systems. There's the one in your gut that is defense that keeps their cousins out, right? You know, that, that keeps you from getting a cold, keeps you from whatever. And then there's the one that belongs to the planet also. 
unfortunately, in your gut and in every plant and everything. And that's autoimmunity. And that's what takes you out. So men to be taken out, whether it's heart disease, which is commonly known in men, or it's prostate cancer, or it's lung cancer, should they have decided to smoke for no good reason. I mean, everything is inflammation. High blood pressure is, in fact, inflammation in men. So I would tell you glucophage, metformin, those things are all good immunosuppressants. If you can get your hands on it, rapamycin's better. Rapamine, no more than two milligrams ever. Would you combine them? I would take all of that. So your libido can be controlled by that bump. Well, you want things and you, you know, you sit around and talk about your last kill. Do you know a new study just came out and 80% of the food supply in a, tr- in a group comes from women, not men. And of that 80%, 70% of the 80% comes from grandmothers. Hmm. Interesting. They go hunting. Okay, that's how it works. The mother hunts until she has two children and then grandma takes over. First child, she's still hunting because she time on their back. You know, I'm melatonin. I take melatonin before I go to bed. I take seasonal melatonin that, of course, I invented. And it's in a cream. And it's uh, transdermal, which you don't get very often. When you put it under your tongue or you chew it, anytime you swallow it, it's going to go through your liver and it changes it. And more importantly, it's a bolus, and you want this to last you most of the night because melatonin blocks estrogen receptors in the beginning of the night, so they pop back up, and you can stay asleep all night if you're a man or a woman. I'm going to ask you uh, an unusual question. Why aren't you using it rectally instead of transdermally? Because doesn't it absorb better without all the side effects? It's too fast. Too Too fast? fast. Yeah, there's no side effects transdermally. What you want is a depot. It could be a tricep. It could be, I mean, I don't tell people to put things on their legs because each fat pad has a different hormone uh, production of its own in response. I changed the way I dosed my testosterone. I used a cream for a long time. And creams are annoying because they actually, um, well, if you're a guy, you have hairy armpits, so you get a greasy thing. They absorb on the scrotum or the armpits really well. And- also, I have young kids. I didn't want to get testosterone residue on my kids, you know, from my sheets or from things like that. So I, I thought about it and I, I swapped, but I, I feel like the cream did work better. So how do you keep your hormones from getting on other people? I think it's pheromones more than a contact high. Okay. I, I believe in the work Evan Cotter did at the University of Chicago years and years ago about taking a pad rubbing it under the armpit and then under the nose of the woman next door these were women and they all cycled together so the wiley protocol for men the dhea goes right above your kidneys in the back okay the dose the testosterone goes right on your femoral artery and yes of course it's going to get on your scrotum that's a bonus okay and a little on your thigh and that's where that goes and we don't see a lot of testosterone I mean, we check. I have 520 doctors, and people are supposed to report adverse events, let alone serious adverse events like somebody got cancer or somebody dropped dead or whatever. And we've kept track of that stuff for 20 years. Okay. And you could use that. And, you know, you're in a T-shirt. I don't know. I mean, I suppose that you cover your back a little bit, but you don't have to sleep naked. You could, you could put some clothes on. It wouldn't hurt them. You don't have to worry about a contact high. Hormones absorb 
in 40 minutes. So you could take a shower, you could go to bed, you could whatever. But exercise, you can sweat them back out for two hours. So if you put them on and then immediately exercise, you'll you'll sweat them back out. That, so. That's good to know. All right, ne- next up, and we're, we're short on time. So I just want to talk about sleep, sugar, and survival, and, and lights out, and your work there. It was really groundbreaking. And last year, I got to go to Satin Panda's lab at the Salk Institute and look at uh, rat uh, mitochondria in the eyes, the melanopsin sensors. And uh, like this was such a big thing. when I, Because of your book, I started experimenting with blacking out my room, taping over LEDs and all these things. And I, I measured a difference in my sleep. And I ended up starting a company that makes like patented glasses that are four layer spectral filters that block every spectrum of light that signals to your SCN that it's daytime. And when I use my, my aura ring, uh, right here, I find I can double my deep sleep, uh, when I use the glasses before bed for a while. So the, the contract is coming from my cut of the glasses, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. No, no uh, not really. Okay. Just thought I'd ask. It's always worth a try. Yes. I said in lights out, please wear pink or red sunglasses because spectrum changes. There's a famous man named Ott, O-T-T, and he did very good work on spectrum changes back in the 70s. And it turns out that black to pink to blue – so it's nighttime, and then it's dawn, mm-hmm. and then it's daytime. Changes your cortisol reception. Yes. The same way pink, well, the same way blue to pink to black changes your cortisol reception and gets you ready for bed, turns it all off. So if you're not going to go to bed when it turns pink, and most people are not, your glasses should be worn at that point. All your computers, electronics, if you can't turn them off and – I question whether you can't turn them off, um, should have blue light filters on them that are on timers that, you know, turn on them whenever sunset is. And it, you, that's why when you're out in your car and you're driving and the sun's going down, you start yawning and you can't figure out why. That's the window yeah. for going to sleep. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've noticed, I, I am a night owl, I always have been. And uh, I've noticed that uh, if I stay up, especially when I'm writing books, I just like that quiet time and I do it in a spectrally compliant manner. Right? It's all, it looks like a submarine or a, a hooker's den where, where I'm writing because it's only red. My monitors are red. Uh, but if, if I see a little bit of sunrise, even, even, even before the sun comes up, I can't sleep. But as long as I, as long as I keep it dark, I go to sleep and I sleep and, uh, I, I go through cycles and it seems to work for me. Although who knows, maybe you could have said, dark room instead of hooker's den i'm just saying uh, well everyone tells okay. me that, that i have red lights everywhere <laughs> yeah. they're like dave it's a red light yeah, district old, come on man <laughs> no but the old remember the old dark rooms just the red lights yeah but when you did your own film right but like almost no one listening remembers that i, I mean uh, but like i know my my dad might have had a dark room i saw a dark room but like we all have digital my cameras had a dark room. He, he loved that he loved developing pictures yeah. it was a like lo- magic it's yeah. a lost art uh, that well, well, a lot of magic is gone. I, I have one more question for you, TS. If someone came to you tomorrow and you didn't know much about them and they said, look, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being. What are your three most important pieces of advice for me? What would you offer them? Get up at dawn. You have to get up when the sun comes up. 
That will immediately change not only the bacteria in your gut, you want to hack them. You get up at dawn, you walk 10 minutes watching the sun come up, and you've changed cortisol and multiple of hormones and bacteria for the whole day. You need to go to bed about two hours after dark, even in the winter when it's dark at five o'clock. I'm sorry, you eat early dinner. Go lay down, you know. Yeah, I used to tell people to read lights out. You know, your eyes going back and forth. I can put anybody to sleep. It's <laughs> hypnotism, you know, to read a book. But you have to have hormones. You have to have sleep. And you have to have physical contact. You have to have love. And those old ladies who slept with their dogs were missing something they wanted. But without a physical relationship, without sleeping with something alive, and I don't mean your turtle. <laughs> All of your body doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And human beings never slept alone. They slept in piles. They slept in tents. They slept with children. And, you know, I would tell anybody, of course, have children if you're not too old. And if you're too old and you want to be like my friend Madonna, you can adopt some. She's a good grandma. She's doing fine. Um, but you need people and and physical contact and to respect the light and respect the hormones. And you'll feel so much better no matter what's wrong with you. If you get up at dawn, you know, that was my first question in Lights Out. How do, because I knew about the carbohydrates and I figured out, you know, prolactin and how it affected brooding and all that stuff. And my first question was, I grew up on a farm and all those 97 year old farmers lived on pie and bacon. Mm-hmm. which is a gateway meat, right? Gateway meat. And I thought, how did they live to 97? And then I remembered they got up at dawn and they crawled in bed because they were tired from being on the tractor all day. And, you know, I, I, who was it? It was Delgado. Delgado said, well, I like to exercise. I take my shirt off and I go outside and lift weights. And I said, dude, way too much information. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to see you with your shirt off. And he sort of looked at me and I said, if you want to exercise, go build a boat. He said, what do you mean? I said, build a boat. I said, I don't care if you ever get in it, give it to somebody. But your work must have purpose. Mm -hmm. And the purpose is not your muscle physique. The purpose is doing something for somebody else. And that's I would tell them purpose is very important. Purpose. Beautiful. Well, T.S. Wiley, thank you for your unusual brain and your uh, your amazing work over over the years. I think you've consistently been ahead of your time, and I'm happy that you're not dead. And people, me too, me too, <laughs> me too. I think Mercola is going to be a little down, but you know, I don't know why he made that up. I saw him too, oh, but it's okay. pe- people people make mistakes or or whatever. But I'll I'll, I'll make. <laughs> I'll make sure he knows you're alive. And Can we call it wishful thinking? I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's not quite a mistake. But... Well, people can find your work at thewileyprotocol.com. That's W-I-L-E-Y. And we'll link to it in the show notes and on the blog and things like that. And thanks for being on the show. I had a wonderful time. You're a lovely man. And you're doing good work. Um, I'm impressed. I looked at all your stuff that you're hustling. And most of it won't kill anybody. And it does some good. <laughs> all right that's pretty, that, that's that, pretty remarkable I, no but that's that's about as good as it gets for me okay I, that's I, pretty remarkable i appreciate that and those are definitely standards <laughs> i live by so so thank you <laughs>
The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.